Welcome to Generation Ag, a podcast for the future of agriculture. I'm Kayla. And I'm Lavinia. And we're a couple of young Aggies passionate about celebrating our industry and sharing the stories of people who work in it. Welcome back to another episode of Generation Ag, another great episode this week. I had the pleasure to interview two great guys. One of them is Max Bell. He's an auctioneer and business development executive at Ray White Rural. He has spent his first years after high school in the polo industry before working his way through the ranks as a livestock agent and then ending up at Ray White where he is today. Max is also the founder of Fort which is a networking group also known as Face of Rural Tomorrow. Fort is an industry group that provides its members access to people in similar roles to bounce ideas off, to mentor, train and upskill young people working in any capacity of the rural space. Max believes Fort is a great opportunity to grow each other's businesses through mateship. The idea of promoting each other's businesses in your individual field of ag is what Fort is all about and most importantly, having fun while doing it. Alongside him, Ripley Atkinson is a senior marketing analyst for MLA. After school, Rip chased the territory working on a station with a mate up north as well as doing a few harvest seasons before attending Marcus where he was given the opportunity to do some work experience with MLA which ultimately led to his position today. Rip is also Fort's chairman and extremely passionate and proud to contribute towards and build for up. He believes that making connections is a big part of the agricultural industry and has first-hand experience and exposure of the value and support that networking provides. Another great episode. It was great to chat with these guys. They are awesome young leaders and Fort is doing phenomenal things. And there's heaps of info in the bio. So go and check them out. Go and give them a follow. And thanks so much, guys, again for chatting with me on this episode. Ripley, Max, welcome to the Generation Ag podcast. Very excited to have you. First question, I know you guys have listened to the podcast, so you probably know. I'd love for you both to give us a little bit of an introduction. Tell us a little about your childhood and growing up in the regions. Max, do you want to start us off? All right, I'll I'll start us off. You know, I've been thinking about this question for quite some time since you sent through the questionnaires. And how I think about my childhood, it doesn't really differ from most other country kids. On my mum's side of it all, I, we uh, we grew up on an apple and cherry orchard. My uncle owns a successful cherry and apple company here out, outside Orange. On my old man's side, um, we grew up on just over 600 acres outside of Blaney where we breed Black Angus cattle. When I think about our childhood, it was quite heavily based around, you know, riding your motorbikes, riding your horses, jumping in dams, just being larrikins, and I suppose um, in that sort of sense, we were walking down the rows of cherries and making ourselves crook, just pilfering off everything that we could. So, yeah, I, I had a very good very good upbringing. I did my schooling here in Orange. I uh, went to a local public school called St Joseph's, and then I got sent away to boarding school where just up in Bathurst called St Stanislaus College and uh, completed my schooling there and Throughout schooling, I, I uh, enjoyed it immensely, being surrounded by my mates, growing up, playing footy, playing your cricket, and and I was still quite heavily horse-oriented at school. Now that I say that sort of out loud, it you know makes me think that my grades could have 
possibly been a bit better. <laughs> but uh, no, I don't have any regrets. But yeah, I, I had a great childhood, and um, yeah, don't don't regret it. I love that. It sounds really lovely, but also like love the intertwined boarding school thing. It seems to be the theme across everyone. Rip, tell us a little bit about your childhood and growing up in the regions. It's quite similar to Maxi, really. Um, family has been farming in, in around Tamworth in the northwest of New South Wales for the past sort of 100 years. And we um, we were on a property at Nundal, which is about 70 k's southwest of Tamworth, up in the hills. And um, I'm one of four boys, so always, you know, big family, loud bunch of kids, you know, just a happy, really sort of accommodating environment to, to be in and so grateful and fortunate. You know, I did have the opportunity to grow up in the regions and, and you know, beautiful parts of Australia and, um, yeah, went to, went to school at the local primary school in Nundal, did some time in Tamworth at a school as well and then went away to boarding school in Sydney at the Scots College and, um, yeah, it was always horses and fishing on the odd occasion and, and just being in the outdoors, just appreciating, you know, I think growing up and having that exposure to the land itself, as a kid, you probably don't really value it or, or understand it as much. But now when I look back on it, it was such a great time and a great opportunity to grow up being exposed to the land and, and appreciating what what Australia and, and, you know, rural and regional Australia has to offer you as, as a kid. I think it's really important. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think there's something that's really special about that. Both of you are working in the agricultural industry now. I'd love to learn a little bit more about that connection. Obviously, you've grown up in the regions. For both of you, when was it that you decided that entering the agricultural industry was going to be the career for you guys? I think for me, our family, well, certainly on my dad's side, uh, had had always been, you know, a part of agriculture and farmers um, around Tamworth at Winton. For, for quite a long time and being fortunate to grow up uh, on a place at, at Nundal, which was all all Angus cattle selling feeder cattle into um, different feedlots into, you know, sort of northern New South Wales and southern Queensland. I was always exposed to agriculture as a kid, but when you go away to boarding school, that that sort of disconnection begins to appear a little bit. You know, you're sort of removed from from agriculture itself. We didn't, I couldn't study ag at school. So, you know, you jumped into everything else and did different subjects, studied Indonesian and, and all the other things you'd never sort of imagine. And throughout school, as I sort of matured a bit, year 10 onwards, I did realise ag was what I wanted to do. I had always, you know, had an appreciation for it, but I think maturity drove me quite quickly into into that realisation that it's where I wanted to go. And that's that's sort of where it followed from there. And I began to make plans, you know, throughout the latter parts of sort of my schooling career, if you will, and and just getting myself set up to know that I can move into agriculture um, beyond that. And I didn't didn't know what that had looked like, but I think a little bit of maturity and age and, and even a little bit of time away from agriculture or just being in rural and regional Australia solidified my passion and interest for it. And and since then, it's, it's sort of followed on. And Max, what about yourself? I think I'm exactly the same as sort of sort of rip, you know, growing up and then going away to boarding school, I, I agree completely. It wasn't until year 10 onwards that I realised that my connection within the agricultural space was a lot bigger than what I expected. And look, I, I did do a bit of a stint there when I first started this role with Ray White in Sydney and I knew straight away like um, that the city life wasn't for me. And it's just the little things about the agricultural side that I do love and I do enjoy. But like as Rip said, you know, my whole family is agricultural surrounded. 
And yeah, it's something you grew up. It's it's just the norm for me. And having it any other way, it's just so fine that I, it's just not for me. So I knew that pursuing a career in agriculture was something definitely in the pipeline. And and um, with what I'm doing now, it just ticks all the boxes. Yeah, I feel like when it's so in the blood for all of us, it's like it doesn't matter where you go off to. You always seem to come back to it. And I think that sort of goes perfectly into my next question with you, Rip, because you have had a quite interesting career. You've done a lot of on-farm work before going to Marcus and you're actually in a really corporate position now. Can you tell me a little bit about your career progression and sort of how you ended up to be in a corporate role? Yeah. So I suppose like most other kids that finish school, you know, it's, it's that sort of Northern Australia drawing to or Northern Australia sort of calling, if you will. Um, and, yeah, I did knock off school and um, went and did a harvest at, at Walgett in northwest New South Wales and packed the bags with one of my best mates um, and moved up to the Territory. It's um, Mullaloo Station, which is a part of the Heightsbury Pastoral Group. They've got six properties, including Victoria River Downs, running sort of right through that that Victoria River district in, in the Territory and um, spent time up there. They were running 26,000 Brahmins destined for the live export trade and went up there with my best mate and absolutely loved it. Um, it really exposed me to a part of the industry which I'm now quite in touch with, which I'm really appreciative for for that time up there. Taught me a lot. I grew up a fair bit, I think. Taught you a lot, a lot of the values about hard work and, and get, getting along with people, which is now, you know, part of everyone's everyday life and really enjoyed that time and was about to go back, back north. But Marcus Oldham came to me with an opportunity to, to go down there and I sort of couldn't couldn't let that one slide. So I went to Marcus but then um, also spent some time whilst I was at Marcus in Blackhall in Western Queensland on a merino operation, sort of pastoral merino operation out there. So, yeah, spent some time across a number of different sort of parts of the industry and in different places and I think for your understanding when you're looking at production cycles and, and how different parts of the bigger machine work, I think it's important to understand those those different operations and production systems. And I've been quite fortunate to have that exposure to them. And then obviously, you know, a connection to to how the sort of southern cattle industry in Australia works as well. Yeah, I think that on farm or on station experience, having had that understanding of the full supply chain probably gives you such a huge value add now for your role. And I'd love to talk about that a little bit more. But I think there's nothing like actually being on farm or on a station to really experience that. And you can't explain it either. And that's what's really unique about our industry. Max, you've had a little bit of the same, but quite different. You've done a little bit of interesting career trajectory. You started with sort of a career in polo. And now obviously you are at Ray White as an auctioneer and business development exec. Tell me a little bit about your career projection and sort of how you came to be where you are now. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's a bit out of the norm. Uh, so my polo career first started when I was still at school. So when I was about year 10, my mum's partner was quite heavily big on um, big into the uh, polo side of things. So it sort of started out just me going with him every weekend and doing just working his horses here at home. It all just sort of avalanched from there. I just started you know, singling them for him and then I went away and groomed for him and then eventually started doing chuckers and then after that he then threw me into um, a few games and it's funny the reason a lot of people find it very amusing why I actually got into polo and I got into it because I was awful. 
I was absolutely rubbish at the sport. So there was sort of that drive in me that thought, right, oh, bugger this, I'm going to get good at this and uh, come back and try and try and school everyone up. So uh, opportunity came up right as I left school to go over to New Zealand. So I think I finished school on a Thursday and on a Tuesday I was on a flight over to New Zealand working for a company over there called Brinks uh, under a guy by the name of Nick Kite, who's a professional polo player here in Australia and over there. And and over there he sort of got me playing and and you know, schooling and training all of the young horses over there. So I lived over there for about six months and I enjoyed every moment of it. It was it was uh, just an unreal lifestyle. And flying back over from New Zealand over to, um, over to Australia, an opportunity had arisen through a conversation with Glenn Gilmore to go out to Elliston, which is um, well, three and a half hours uh, in the Hunter Valley near, near Tamworth. And that was just an experience within itself it's its own little town out there. There's no reception. It's uh, it's a really unique way of life. And I spent just under four years out there where I was playing and, and training uh, all the young horses out there. I was working under Matt Grimes and a fellow by the name of Guy Kirkpatrick. And um, yeah, they're the sort of moments that I, I, I cherish growing up. It was great learning. And, and even to today, like I wouldn't be the man or the horseman I am without that those experiences. It was just before COVID hit that unfortunately I had I actually had a very good run planned for the season ahead um, playing in two grades and I had a fall um, out on a polo field me and this um, grey mare both fell over and busted up my arm where we've got now four plates and 16 screws in my right arm and that put me out but it was sort of a blessing in disguise because COVID hit and everyone sort of you know had to get sent home and while I was at home doing my rehab my father came up to me and he said look while you've got this time you may as well go get your real estate ticket uh, so I went and got that and then also on top of that he pulled me aside and said I think you should start thinking about a proper career because don't get me wrong um, there you could make a career there but it wasn't sort of the lifestyle that I wanted to be so that's sort of how it all occurred and once I left Elliston, I then went and became a stock and station agent um, for Ems Mooney here out of Carcor and enjoyed it immensely working for, I believe, sort of the kings of the livestock industry with Ben Ems and Steve Mooney. And uh, that was a really good learning experience and um, mucked around for a little bit there. And then this opportunity came to work for the Raywatt Rural and Livestock side of things. So I jumped, jumped as soon as I got the opportunity. So, yeah, haven't looked back since. And within your role now, can you tell us a little bit about that and sort of what your day-to-day is and what you're doing and working on? I'd love to learn a bit more about that. Yeah, so my day-to-day is is so different. Like it's my, my job role is so diverse. So within starting, my father, he was an auctioneer, so I knew straight away when, when starting um, that was something that I wanted to do and I wanted to pursue. So going into the job role, I was surrounded by unreal mentors such as like Alex Vitaro, Bruce Birch, Peyton Fitzsimons and Tim Snell, who is actually the CEO of Ray White. So that that's what got me going. But a sort of day in the life of sort of my role is I'm a conductor for our rural and regional offices. So what that means is I go out, keep in contact with our officers, go and visit them and um, make sure that they have the tools that Ray White um, Rural and Livestock sort of provide, whether that's through the tech side of it all or through the marketing side, um, just making sure that they have all the tools to run a successful business. Also, yeah, I am I am an auctioneer for those rural and regional uh, offices, so wherever need be, 
Um, I'm always on the road. I'm always behind the steering wheel driving to go and do one. I think last week I was in Tumbarumba and Park. So, yeah, get a, get a few miles, doing a few auctions out there. Another sort of thing that is in my role is I'm basically the corporate's uh, lackey. What also that means is I help at all the big sales wherever need be. For example, I go and help at horse sales, wiener sales, bull sales, dog sales, clearing sales. Um, it, I'm just sort of another another uh, hand on deck. So in August, we have our Gracemere Performance Horse Sale up in Rockhampton. Uh, so I'll go up there and I'll be there for the week prior helping set up. Um, I'll help with the sale and then I'll help pack up and then I'll come back uh, into reality. So no no day is the same in with what I do, but um, I genuinely love what I do. And it's, you know, I don't don't get out of bed and think, oh, I've got to go to work. I I jump out of it. I, I love doing it. I, I love our network. I love our team. I'm absolutely blessed to be where I am today. That sounds like such a diverse role in itself. So interesting and so much travel and opportunity. It's really awesome. Thanks for sharing. Rip, you are a senior marketing information analyst at MLA. Tell me a little bit about your role and sort of your transition to this role over the last couple of years. Yeah, so mine's a little bit different as as we sort of touched on earlier. I went to Mark's Oldham in 2019 and 2020 and studied a Bachelor of Business in Agribusiness. And a part of the requirement to satisfy your degree or, or get your get your degree at Marcus is to do work placement. So 2020 was out of the question, but in 2019, I had to do four weeks work placement and through it's sort of a typical you know, agricultural conversation. It's not what you know, it's who you know. And through family connections to to people in uh, in the Northwest region, I was fortunate enough to spend four weeks in Sydney at Meat and Livestock Australia's head office. And after that, then went back. They they asked me back for, for two months over December, January um, of those sort of black summer bushfire period. Did that, went back to Marcus and um, a couple of weeks before I finished up getting my degree, I was obviously, um, you know, studying online from home. They asked me to come and start full time and I've, I've been there since October 2020, so nearly three years with, with MLA and my role now is to sort of look after the, the prices and market sort of as a subject matter expert of what's going on in the sheep, cattle and goat industry at sort of the livestock level, so up to, up to the processor, do a lot of presentations for both sort of domestic and international stakeholders I've travelled to Jakarta uh, last year in June for a live export presentation, uh, talking to not only it's really it's really sort of fortunate I believe because I get to learn so much from others and you sort of going from talking to producers or, or livestock agents for example right through to head chefs and procurement managers of some of the largest food service uh, organisations in Australia. So I get a really diverse range of people I get to interact with and develop the the sheep and cattle projections which come out twice a year and talk to the media on definitely a weekly basis so similar to maxi it's not it's not the same every day but again it's it's such an interesting dynamic ever changing sort of space to be in and you know our our livestock producers and levy payers need to know what's going on and obviously my role is to do the best i can to let them know where things are at why they're why they're doing what they are and obviously through our projections where they might be going as well so yeah it's very diverse but same as max i sort of can't imagine myself anywhere but ag and and it's been a really great sort of sounding board and foundation for me in, in my career and very fortunate and and grateful for the opportunities I've had to to be here now. You guys are both doing amazing things within the industry and I think that probably 
is the factor for what we're going to talk about next. You're both a big part of Fort, which is a youth networking group for the ag industry that you actually founded, Max. Tell us a little bit about this network. I'd love for you both to give me a little bit more info about what you're doing and who you guys are. Yeah, so how Fort sort of came about was I was um, having a conversation with one of my bosses who's actually on on the board of Fort and her, her name is Sonia Grosso. She asked me one day, where would I go to meet young sort of professionals in the agricultural space or where, where would I meet agricultural in, um, individuals? I'm not trying to shit can any other industries, but I just didn't know of any at the time. And look, so I just said to her, I said, oh, if I'm brutally honest, the pub or or races or something like that, that's probably, or, or footy events, it sort of got the cogs turning from there. So then we started having a bit more of a conversation. We thought, hey, there's some, there's an avenue there that we could definitely tap into. And so it sort of started from there and it was actually supposed to be called YCAN, not Fort, which was, it standard for something along the lines of like Young Country Agents Networking Group or along the lines of that. But I hated the use of the word young because that sort of initiates the inexperience and that's not what we're pushing out here throughout our Fort network. That's sort of how it started and and going from there, we we rolled it out into our Ray White network and got a bit more traction. That's how we got uh, Madeline Swan, who's who's a board member, and we started pushing it from there and, and then I got a call from, from Rip and Will and Joe who are uh, board members as well and uh, they all wanted to be a part of it and we just saw that there was an avenue there that could connect a lot more young professionals and, you know, I use it the same way I want other people to use it. I I don't like not knowing someone or not knowing how to help. So the idea that thought came about was meeting like-minded individuals in different aspects and just being able to refer business on to them or, for example, Tommy Tommy Clemson, who's one of our proud uh, Fort members who works at Hutchinson and Pierce, I had to buy a slasher but because I knew him, I, I rang him up and I said, hey, I want to buy a slasher, uh, slasher, which one can I get? And it was all done through him. And, you know, I think me referring him business, I assume down the track that one day someone will refer me business. So we're sort of growing and learning together and it's all going to help us within within times to come. So, yeah, it is it is hard. Um, don't get me wrong, um, doing Fort, finding the time to get it done, but it's so rewarding and um, having a board members that's, you know, so motivating and, and getting things going. It's, um, yeah, it's really great. That's so awesome. You guys have done such a great job at getting it up and going. Rip, do you want to tell me a little bit more about what the plans are for Fort, what have been some of the wins that you guys have been able to achieve or events that you guys have done over the last couple of months that have been really rewarding? Yeah, so we had our first event in February at Wagga Races just on a Friday. We had sort of 55, 60 people most of whom I'd never met, never knew anything about, you know, come together. And I think that in itself is an indication of how much people want this, you know, and people our age from all different walks of life, we had bankers and producers and contractors and and literally it was licorice all sorts. But having that engagement, not knowing most of these people, you know, we always had sort of connections, but we didn't know them that well. Most of you wouldn't call them friends. They supported us and they came together they could see the benefit and the value and, and we had, yeah, as I say, 55, 60 people in February and it was just brilliant to sort of see that interest and that engagement in what we're trying to achieve and that validates the work you do, you know, which no one ever sees, which is so great and that's why it is so 
I'm so motivated and happy to be a part of it when you see things like that develop. And I suppose to your next question, what's in the pipeline for the future? So on Saturday, the 29th of July, uh, down at Lion Park in Rose Bay in the eastern suburbs of Sydney, we are having another event, giving that a bit of a plug and a bit of a shout out. But for any Sydney listeners or anyone that's involved um, or will be in Sydney that weekend, we'll shout you a coffee and a bacon and egg roll and we'd love to meet you guys and, and whoever's around to come down for that. And that's really just an expansion and a next step. We're, we're aware for it's not going to be massive straight away. These things take time. It takes hard work and, and you know, you want to expand that network in sort of strategic places. And we recognise Sydney can be a great avenue to do that, particularly in the corporate side of, of agriculture. So looking forward to, to seeing whoever's around to, um, to touch base with us down there and we're looking to probably have another event in Wagga um, in a couple of months as well, with potentially a panel of speakers and and sort of keep it casual with with a, with a networking opportunity. And you know, we'll have a panel of speakers that are in agriculture, and it won't just be just be livestock or something. We're going to keep it broad and diverse, and and people at different stages of their career. So there will be plenty of stuff on socials about that as well. And we just encourage everyone to to come along, ask questions, say hello to us, and and touch base. So we've. Yeah, it's a gradual process and it's a build. You can't click your fingers and think it's going to be enormous overnight, crawl before you can walk sort of thing. So, yeah, it's going to take time, but we're really excited about some of these events we've got planned and, and you know, bringing people together. That's that's the main thing, having fun and bringing people together. So these next couple we've got sort of in the pipeline, we're, we're really looking forward to, to meeting whoever's around and encourage everyone to sort of come along with us for the journey. That sounds so exciting. I wish I was in Sydney on the 29th because that sounds so fun. <laughs> Maybe I should fly up. I don't know if I can fit in my schedule. Use your frequent flyer points. I, I do. Ha- I, yeah, I know, guys. I'll, I'll think about it. And my mum is in Sydney, so I could potentially come up. Anyway, I've got a couple of questions that have come to me from chatting to you guys. I want to just talk quickly about leadership and young leadership in agriculture because I think a lot of the time a lot of people are afraid to take that first step, step into a leadership role, particularly in ag in your 20s like you guys have done and it's so impressive. What would be your advice from your perspectives? I'd love both of you to give an answer why should people step into leadership or what's your biggest piece of advice to somebody potentially wanting to go into a leadership role? What would you give them? I think um, I was always told growing up that leadership is something that is learned. It's not sort of within. So I think if you're going into a leadership role, it's it's honestly just punt high and follow through. Give it a crack and, you know, it's trial and error. Don't be afraid to do it. Um, you know, don't leave any stone unturned. I think the more you get into it, the better that you do. I know that with with thought, with what we're doing, and even in our roles, like leadership is something that is, you know, is becoming more and more apparent every day. And but yeah, I think if you just stick to your gut and and um, yeah, you know, back yourself, have confidence. That's what you got to do. And Maddie Swan's a big big uh, advocate for it. She says, um, "Have confidence, and no one will doubt you." So I think that's that's sort of how you should do it. Rip, what what are your uh, advices there? Yeah, I think it's a it's a really interesting question and it's probably not something you ask a young young people leadership. It's not something you correlate, but I think that's also part of what Fort's about is we recognize as individuals and as, as a collective, we are, you know, we are young professionals as as leaders in our own rights within industry. And I suppose my answer to that question would be my principal at school was very big on servant leadership. When you're a leader, 
it's a responsibility, not an honour. So you're given a responsibility to be that leader. What you do with it's up to you. But that certain servant leadership aspect of it really, to me, explains we're in agriculture in simple terms where young professionals involved in ag, we have the opportunity to serve the agricultural industry by taking on leadership responsibilities such as developing fort into the the, the network we're, we're aiming to create it. So we're serving back to ag as leaders and providing a servant sort of aspect to it rather than taking the front foot. And it takes a collective, you know, takes a village to, to, to raise a child. We want to bring that village together and we're serving the agricultural industry or certainly, you know, doing our best to serve the agricultural industry and bring people together on that journey as a collective. And I think that kind of leadership, when you work together as a as a team and as a collective and as a network that, that we want to build for into, that makes everyone better. There's certainly no way to go about it and do it on your own because, you know, you're only going to get down the road and fall over. You're much better off bringing people on the journey with you and two minds are better than one. So that's that's sort of my advice and the way I look at it and I think Fort can, can do that for, for everyone that's willing to get involved and, and give it a crack and come on the journey with us. You know, we want to, we want to support you and, and bring the, the ag industry forward because we really are the next sort of generation of, of individuals and if we're leading now, well, then there's no reason we can't be leading in 30 years' time. I think that the fact that you're really focused on that and also that you're really wanting to be an inclusive network is so important and it really means that there is space for everyone to be a part of it and that's exciting and I think that's going to really help you guys to grow really quickly and people are going to be excited and motivated to want to attend events. My last question is a little bit um, perspective-wise but I always love to ask the people that I interview what is your hope for the future of the ag industry because it is changing really rapidly. I'd love for you both to give me your perspective and what you're hoping to see. I think as agriculture, you know, particularly in Australia, we are world leaders in in the food and fibre we produce. We have been custodians of the land and, and sort of custodians of, of an industry that is recognised. Whether you're a livestock agent, a banker, a producer, literally anyone, we are sort of a part of a world-leading operation, essentially, when you look at it at a macro level. And I think that's something to be extremely proud of. The work that's been done to get us where we are right now is very impressive, but there's a lot of work to go forwards. And I think when you look at that question of what's our hope or what's my hope for the future of agriculture, it's to continue to push the boundaries. We're innovative. We're a very innovative industry and we've had to innovate, but we're very good at it. And there's no reason our, our innovations can't just take that next step up. And we need people to do that. And my hope really is people begin outside of agriculture too to want to be involved in in how exciting and how interesting and how dynamic this industry is. You know, we're very fortunate with the ones that are already in ag because we all get it and we all love it. And you, you good luck trying to move us out of it because it is so great. But it's also sort of expanding that to those outside of agriculture, maybe not with the background. You know, you can be a tech engineer and work in ag and do some absolutely incredible things for an industry that puts, you know, clothes on people's back and and food on millions and millions of people's tables around the world. You know, and I think waking up every day and being able to share that and, and know you're contributing to that in all sorts of capacities exciting. And, and I want to sort of be able to share that with others in, in conversations and and I hope that people sort of want to, want to get involved and want to be motivated to jump in and, and be a part of it. 
I think with everything that's going on within the agricultural space at the moment is is extremely exciting with all the technology that's being released and is being invented at the moment. It's it's exciting times to come. For what I hope that the agricultural space can go towards is being a lot more sort of acknowledged and more attractable to individuals like what Rip said throughout. We want people to start coming along into agriculture I think, yeah, it is exciting what times are coming and we do know how important agriculture is to um, our day-to-day life. I just hope that with the technology, it makes it a lot easier on farmers whether because you can't control the, the climate with, you know, uh, droughts and, and floodings and stuff like that. So with the enhancement of technology, I think the agricultural space will boom and um, we'll start seeing a lot more successful stories and I'm really looking forward to seeing where it all goes. That's so awesome. And lastly, before you wrap it up, where can people, number one, find both of you guys if they want to get in touch, but number two, also find out more about Fort, where should they head? What are the best places to find you guys? So to get in contact with us, it's quite simple. So we have socials through LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. As I said in one of my videos, we're not doing TikTok just yet. But <laughs> but um, look, there's always, so we have an email address, which is faceofruraltomorrow at gmail.com, or you can contact my number is is on our Facebook page, so more than happy to reach out. Also, we have a, our website, which is um, Face of Rural Tomorrow. Uh, you can go and find all the information you need. We're, um, we're leaking in new things and we're slowly getting better and better with, with our websites and we're wanting, wanting to open up a careers platform where people can, if they have job offers or opportunities, to place that in, in one of our tabs on our website, but that's yet to come. But, um, yeah, if you ever want to know any more, I ask that you go through our socials and, and scroll down and you'll see everything, what we're all about and what we're wanting to do but uh, if you want to get more in contact from there yeah just follow us send me an email or give me a call Um, I'm very easy to reach and I'll definitely give you a call back but um, if there is an avenue for anyone out there listening that want to jump on board and help out or see avenues which we can progress um, we'd love to hear from you and um, even though we have a board member here at Fort we don't discourage anyone wanting to help we just have that there because you know we want to we want to start everything rolling, but um, we do encourage everyone else to come in and help because it's not just us driving forward; it's it's everyone else. So that's how they could uh, get in contact with us and make Fort something massive because Fort has got legs, and I think everyone can see it. That's so awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for giving me your perspective on what you guys are doing, but also for it's been great to chat this morning and really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, Lavinia, for for having us. And I suppose thank you to you too, you know. I'm sort of an avid listener of Generation Ag and really appreciate what you're doing for industry as well. So, you know, um, thank you for for the opportunity we've had today. But, um, yeah, want to want to recognise what, what you guys and the Generation Ag team's doing as well. So we really appreciate it. Thanks, Riff. I really appreciate that as well. 100%. Can you come and speak at one of our uh, events? I will talk to you guys off air. I've got so many ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Generation Ag. We hope you loved it. If you did, don't forget to visit our guest bios page on our website where you can get all of their contact information. 
And if you have an idea for another guest in the future or a story that you want to hear, you can get in touch with us via our email, which is hello at generationag.com.au. Don't forget to follow us on our socials at generation.ag. That's Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you've loved this episode as well, you can share it with your friends on your socials and make sure to subscribe to us on the podcast app and leave us a review because that all really helps as well. Thanks, guys. Bye.